And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. hey What a week. Yes, what a week. We are we are fully, uh, fully immersed in the age of X-Men now. The, the age of what? <laughs> the age of X-Men? The, the age of what? What did you say? <laughs> No, we're not in the age of X-Men. No, no, wait, what, what age? Just one more time, Adam. What age are we in? (sighs) We are in the age of (laughs) X-Men. What have I done? (laughs) It's an X-Men update and we're living it. (laughs) This is our lives now as an X-Men update. What's the update? It's just we're in the age of X-Men. Have you heard? Ah, it's great. I, I love the individual housing. That's a, a great touch. Yeah. So as we're recording this, we are two issues deep into the Age of X-Men. And one thing has come out. And I think we all just need to admit it. Nate Gray. Just I he doesn't like kisses and he doesn't think people <laughs> deserve them. No. And it's it's an odd thing. He he's forcing everyone to be involuntarily celibate which is boy a choice for a comic (laughs) shocking everyone or probably not you dear listeners who have heard this and heard our interview with zach and lonnie a couple episodes ago it's good it's super good yeah i i love talking to them and i'm glad i I don't know i'm like they they were very smart uh and strategic about what they spilled the beans on so um they give us just enough to kind of prepare us but i feel like the world is so much deeper than that so uh i was very excited to keep reading it i did not expect the world to involve horny cops (laughs) we're not we're, we're we're only getting a glimpse so far at the horny cops but uh the extremists are ones that i'm very excited about but i'm actually excited about all of it now what yeah. a great uh you know first alpha issue to sort of get you excited about all the mini books it's gonna be really cool it's it's been a for all the joking we've done about the age of x-man for all of the goofs and the gags and the guafs uh this this is a super good event uh and it's two for two right now hopefully it hits a perfect 30 32 for 32 but we'll have to see as time goes on but i mean we'll be with you uh in spirit on this on this journey through isolation and harmony and (laughs) autonomy and whatever the other tenants are of the age of x man yeah also nature girl did adopt a bear which i'm okay with uh fungus he's adorable um <laughs> that i don't know i love it i love it so much i'm really enjoying it and i um we're recording this a little later than we normally do so we also got a chance to see uncanny 11 which was also fantastic yeah it's a very good book and if you haven't read it don't be afraid of the cover price just go in it look if you were missing cyclops and you were missing wolverine and you were missing X-Men stories that felt like they had a 
deep motivating drive maybe put all your reservations aside and check it out it's not going to be a story for everyone there's some uh there's some pretty hard hitting and potentially triggering content for some people mm-hmm. uh but it's a super good story and i'm i'm really excited to see where uh matty rose takes this next yeah well i i will say you know why i know it was good was because I wasn't excited for Cyclops to come back and I sure as heck wasn't excited for Wolverine to come back and Rosenberg got me excited to see both of them back. So, um, yeah, well done. Hats off to him. I'm here. I'm here for Wolverine teaming up with people. In fact, mm-hmm. I think we could describe ourselves as the world's best Wolverine team up podcast. <laughs> that, this is our new theme theme of the week because we are going to talk about some Wolverine team ups, right? We are. And we're going to talk about them thanks to Patreon supporter Ben Crawl. Ben walked right over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. He threw in some money our way. At least $2. I didn't check how much he actually gave us. Uh, But he said, I would like you to talk about this story and craft an entire episode around it. This unique uh, bespoke creation. And we've done (laughs) so. Or we're in the process of doing so. This is kind of a a live experiment if you will we've not planned ahead beyond the very minimum of planning so we'll see what happens don't worry guys that's our mo (laughs) it usually works out it Um, works out pretty well so what story did he request ben did not request a story with an x in the title yeah but he did request a story with wolverine Mm -hmm. ben requested ms marvel numbers six and seven healing factor this is written by g willow wilson with art by jake watt wyatt jake wyatt (laughs) not what what's someone jake watt's someone different there's definitely Uh, a y in that name yeah it's jake jake watt is a uh is a football boy Hmm. and jake wyatt is a draw boy well, let's stick with the draw boys. I think everybody is uh, has had enough football, uh, given that we just lived through the worst Super Bowl of all time. It so, was really um, bad. Also, wait, who am I thinking of? Jake Watt is not a football boy. Uh, Watt Texans. What's hmm. his name? JJ Watt. Uh, and neither of those J's is uh, Jake. It's Justin James. Uh, <laughs> this is a real tangent you're going on your sack. <laughs> oh, just wait till just wait till the next tangent. Uh, but anyway, this is part of the Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Adam, how much experience and exposure have you had to uh, Ms. Kamala Khan? Um, I've read issues here and there. Always enjoyed G. Willow Wilson's uh, writing, but I've never, you know, I haven't kept up with it in terms of reading every issue. I really enjoyed these two. Um, this is a fun little story. That we've got going on with uh, Kamala <laughs> investigating a villain who turns out to be a, a walking, talking cockatiel. Yep. A clone of Thomas Edison as well. Oh, right. Yes. Clone of Thomas Edison, uh, who is crafting his uh, army of sewer gators, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. Powered um, by teeth. Now, do you keep up with Ms. Marvel? Yeah, I, I bought issue one way back in uh, 2014, and I've just kind of been riding that train uh, up until it it's ending. It's about to end in just a couple of issues, and I think it's been a great ride. 
it's been really it's been really cool to see Kamala develop as a character mm-hmm. and to see her become the next big thing. Like she's huge. And it's it's only gonna get bigger. Like they have toys of her, which mm-hmm. is wild. Yeah. <laughs> like toys that children can buy, not collectors. No. You could you could buy a toy. You could dress up as her for Halloween. Um, she's a great character and very relatable. Um, and I love that you know, sort of sprinkled throughout here are the um, you know the pieces of her her family and um, her religion that are really a dimension of characters that we don't see explored in most comics um or or ever before really i mean there's very few examples that i can think of except for token characters of the muslim faith so it's fantastic to see these relatable characters um you know have lives and 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 have these experiences it's really cool now this is an interesting point to jump in with ms marvel because while this is a standalone two issue story it's a bridge between her first arc where she gets her powers and goes on her first real mission Mm -hmm. and her you know next arc which kind of forms the first 11 issues are one pretty big continuous story all about the inventor Uh, so this is where he's introduced but you get foreshadowing of what his plot is before and then the big finale after this uh but this is kamala's first real touch with the uh, larger marvel universe and she does that uh by teaming up with our you know favorite uh canadian whiskey boy and that's wolverine <laughs> and she is fangirling it up she is so excited to see logan um and to geek out about <laughs> teaming up with him um and you know he seems to like her right off the bat too so it's a really fun partnership she does make the bold choice of telling Logan that she has written fan fiction about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, which which no, nothing against interested. people who do fan fiction. I would find it weird to tell someone in real life that I wrote a story about them and a romance. Well, I mean, it is Wolverine. He's he's very famous in the Marvel Universe. So um little little different there. Um, why is Wolverine here? Um, he's he's looking for someone and in, in the, uh, there, uh, there is a here. there is a nameless student i think her name's actually like julie question mark yeah. it's got to be julie because when it popped up i was like oh is it is it one of the power kids um, oh my gosh if this was a power pack story too that would have <laughs> been so good that's the peak wolverine teen girl crossovers that that was my first thought i don't think it's supposed to be julie power it's i think not. it's supposed she's, to just she's be a, a random student. student yeah uh which is uh i mean it's fine it serves it serves the plot mm-hmm. uh, but wolverine is looking uh through the sewers for this kid from his school that kind of disappeared and uh he's going through some stuff because this is during the chris anka costume wolverine which is the worst costume chris anka's ever designed dudes pretty much bats a thousand any other time this 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 one's not great uh but yeah he's very very yellow um very yellow there's there's you know it's a two-tone costume of sort of a darkish dark gray and and big yellow sleeves and legs and it it you're right it's not the best costume well, that costume is supposed to have a lot of padding because Wolverine has lost his healing factor at this point. Right, right. But uh, Kamala still has hers. Um, so they team up, they save uh, Julie, and, uh, you know, Kamala's learning about herself in the process. 
it's it's very it's very nice. Kamala's still trying to figure out where her powers come from, what's mm-hmm. going on with it, and how to really be a hero. So Wolverine, being the uh, begrudging uh, teen girl mentor that he is, <laughs> really works for me here. Like he is not just from the general get Wolverine in by issue six, and then you'll get better sales uh, aspect, which this definitely had a part of. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But he does organically work in that role for Kamala, and I really, I really liked that development. I was going to say um, one of the other things that I, I really like about these two issues. This is not the normal Ms. Marvel artist, um, but Jacob Wyatt is here for these two issues, and I, I think he does an amazing job of selling Kamala's uh, various facial expressions and the the settings in each of. Um, the the parts of the story especially all this stuff that's happening in the sewer it does such a remarkable job of showing their exploration of this underground scene and the second issue there's this really great one uh, uh splash page where they crawl up through several levels of the sewer to get back up to the surface mm-hmm. and it, there's no panels but we're following them as they go up it's very very well done well so, I, um, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't even art. say there's no panels i think the what they do or Jake does here is he organically builds the panels into the geometry of the, the space, which is a, it's a very interesting trick. Yeah. Yeah. He's very smart about his layouts and, and you know how the characters are placed um, with, within the setting. So you don't see that all the time. Um, And I, I thought it was pretty impressive. I think it's impressive. I will say, as I uh, read this originally, and as I came back to it again, I do think this is probably the weakest part of Ms. Marvel's initial 11-issue, uh, like, the start of her story. Okay. Uh, but that that more speaks to the strength on either side than the weakness here. I mean, Jake Watt is, uh, or Wyatt is great. He's just not uh, Adrian Alfona, who I have a very deep affection for. And I think, you know, this being the bridging story, it doesn't have the same momentum as what happens on either side. But we don't rank things uh, based on Ms. Marvel uh, quality. (laughs) Um, No, but I I think this is a lot of fun. Um, So where would you put this on the list? Well, since you asked, Adam, we have 192 stories on our list. Uh, Number one is Days of Future Past. Number 50 is Uncanny X-Men 314 Early Frost. Number 100 is Uncanny X-Men 245 Men. 150 is Savage Wolverine 12 and 13 Come Conquer the Beasts. And 192 is the Draco. I think this, I know this is better than Come Conquer the Beasts. And I think this is better than Men. Oh, okay. All right. I don't um, think this is better than Early Frost. So that gives us a good no. 50 issue spread, I think, to work. I mean, depending on what your thoughts were. Yeah, I wasn't going to go that high. Um, you know, my first thought was I was looking down around at 120. We have Glob Loves Man Kills, which is the Old Man Logan Ooh, that uh, a story, comparison. which is an interesting comparison. You know, it's kind of a Wolverine team up um, that focuses on another character. Um, we have Spidey and X-Men one and two at 118, which is, um, an even, but has dinosaurs. 
Yeah, but also has a cartoony quality to it, which this does as well. Um, I think this is I think this is better than at 116, which is Ultimate Spider-Man 66 and 67 Jump the Shark, where Wolverine and Spider-Man switch bodies. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I might not go above the introduction of Juggernaut, though, in the Silver Age. Do you think this is better than that? Which one? Okay, that's right above it. That's 115. Yeah, 115. I'm sorry. I think here's the thing, and this this is a byproduct of this list being something we've kind of put together over a year and a half or so. Yeah, I think it's better than that Juggernaut story, or I don't think it's better than that Juggernaut story, but I do think it's better than the first two issues of Exiles, which is above that. Yeah, that might be a reordering thing. Oh, you know what's a great comparison to this is 111 is Uncanny X-Men Annual 18, Caliban and Jubilee in the sewers when Kitty Pride and Sabretooth have to rescue him and fight a, a squid in the sewers. Um, I don't That's think a good this, one. Yeah, I don't think this is better than that. Then let's um, go right below that because I think this is better than the wedding issue. All right, there we go. So this is our noon 112? Uh, yeah, Miss Marvel is- 6 and 7 healing factor one note about ms marvel 6 specifically yeah. uh while while i was using the great resource that is the marvel wikia uh to find all the creative stuff and just have it open in case i needed to remember something quickly about this issue i found out that ms marvel volume one number six okay uh do, do you know who appears in ms marvel volume one number six I, i'm gonna guess that wolverine appears and in- no, no no this was no no <laughs> Bad guess. Uh, Sorry. Bad, bad guess. But uh, Gortok, the uh, underground man who killed Xavier that one time. Oh, boy. Or grotesque, or however he wants to call himself. He's in it. Hmm. And then also Super Doctor Astronaut Peter Corbeau is in this. <laughs> Which makes me want to read Ms. Marvel. Well, now, now, audience members, you know what to request. We'll do another Ms. I mean, Marvel number six. Christopher Thomas Claremont, I don't know if Thomas is his middle name, probably he's not. Uh, he did write that issue. Makes so sense. I might have to go read uh, oh, Bad Swimsuit, Carol Danvers, Ms. Marvel. <laughs> oh, it's all there for the uh, for the reading, right? It's. I mean, it should be on that app. Also, it's Christopher S. Claremont. I don't know what the S stands for. Hmm. We'll have, well, when we have him on the show, eventually we'll ask. Uh you joke about that. I've got <laughs> ideas. Anyway. All right, let's where move are we going to our next? Uh, uh, we're we, going to go to Madripoor. Yeah, and not recently we're, either, right? No, we're going to spend some nights in Madripoor. There we uh, go. And potentially in three dimensions. I know I saw this in three dimensions as recently as last week. So uh, this is Uncanny X-Men late September 268. Uh, Wolverine, Captain America, Black Widow together again for the first time. Uh, or if you bought it last week for eight bucks, I don't know why it was eight bucks. Uh, it was X-Men 3D. Well, I can tell you why it was eight bucks, and that's because it was a gimmick. But I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure printing it in 3D may have cost more or just remastering it in 3D. That's fine. Uh, yeah. But 3D glasses, uh, I've priced them out. Uh, at low quantities, they're a quarter. So, I mean, 35 yeah. cents. 
So the, it the glasses bad. were cool. They had, uh, they were, you know, they sort of had like a they had red X's on the temples and, you know, a little like mechanical print on them. They, they were, they were cool. Um, anyway, why don't we talk about the issue first? And then, then I could talk about the 3d experience. Um, cause it's not ah, to say fine. About <laughs> so what's happening? I'm interested here? in that extra dimension. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so in, there's two plot lines happening here. This is around the time that uh, Logan, Psylocke, and Jubilee are in Madripoor separated from the rest of the team before Extinction Agenda. Um, mm-hmm. But we're also getting flashbacks to a team up of Captain America and Wolverine um, as they try and find a very young Black Widow who is, who's been abducted by the Hand. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's interesting. Now, this is the this is interesting uh, in continuity uh, versus like reading it now, mm-hmm. because this is the first time we understand how old Wolverine is. Like we knew he could be old. We'd gotten hints. This is the first time we realized, oh, Wolverine was just Wolverine in World War Two. And he hung out with Captain America once. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, we get this young Cap uh, who's in over his head uh, fighting ninjas and who comes along uh, brandishing a pipe to, to beat up some bad guys. But Wolverine in his cowboy hat. Mm. Yeah, it's a uh, Wolverine punch of Nazis is a good thing. And we oh, should. Yeah. We should continue to see that. Uh, but yeah, and they they go and team up and save black widow who's a kid and then in the future or the present or you know 1989 or whatever it was or 1990 excuse me uh captain or black widow helps out wolverine uh with some stuff with matsuo suriaba in the hand uh yeah i mean there's also a very awkward thing that happens um she faints and then ends up in some very weird 90s lingerie for no reason and it's not really i guess it's explained that i don't know how she got into this outfit but it's a little bit uncomfortable. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give give wolfie the benefit of the doubt and say that psylocke was there and psylocke was like let's find something good for you natasha if you gotta be in bed let's make this happen because you know she used to be a model she understands this stuff she used to be a secret agent she gets it you know Um, psylocke should hang out with black widow more that'd be awesome that would be cool i don't believe your theory though i'm just looking back on this page and it does say that wolverine specifically removed uh natasha's costume when he put her to bed so there there's that um i will say (laughs) one of the things i really like about this issue there are a couple of really great little jubilee moments um she not only gets to kind of blow up a yacht but um there's this great moment where she's sort of like checking out psylocke and all of her sexy ninja and then she's just kind of like lamenting her own youth. Uh, I just, I don't know. There's such like little great lines that she has here that uh, I, I kind of forgot that she was already like such a great, uh, amazing character from the first part. She's playing cat's um, cradle with her fireworks at one point. It's so smart. Jubilee is shockingly fully formed by yeah. like, like compared to Gambit, who's a contemporary of hers. Mm-hmm. Gambit takes like a year and a half to get to where Gambit gonna be. 
He takes until Chris Claremont really leaves the book till you get peak Gambit. Yeah, you get uh, Gambit once uh, adjective list starts. You know, that's that's when he really starts to have his own character here. But um, Jubilee's Jubilee from from Jump Street. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is fun. Um, you know, I think people hold this issue in high esteem. I th- uh, the Jim Lee art is fantastic. Some really great fight scenes. Um, it's cool to have the little Avengers crossover that we've got here. Um, do, do you like this issue? So I'm going to preface this by saying I've been reading the Wolverine solo series that I have never oh, read. Yeah. yeah. I am through. I am up to Fatal Attractions again. Okay. So about to get about to get into bone claws mode. Yikes. So I've got through all the Madripoor stuff and I've read yep. all the MCP uh, Marvel Comics Presents Madripoor stuff. So I feel like I have a good grounding on Madripoor as a place mm-hmm. and as a location in Patches history. Yes. I don't care about Madripoor. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get the appeal. It's fine. <laughs> I think this particular story is important i think can understand its historical uh standpoint and i can understand why people would go back and remember this as like oh what a cool thing and the jim lee art is great it is this is good jim lee mm-hmm. but ah, i knew it was I, coming here it I, comes I, I just it's not even like this isn't even zach's hot take corner this is uh i think it's fine i don't think this is a special issue Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's enjoyable. And I think, uh, you know, I remember reading this as a kid and really liking it, but, um, you know, it's a transition issue and it shows a little bit of Wolverine's history because this is really before we start to get into the Wolverine solo series, sort of starting to dig up the non-reliable narrator, the unreliable narrator, um, storylines, uh, with weapon. X. So, you know, it was fun to get hints like this as we were going oh, along. I believe it. You know? I believe it. But the problem is I grew up just knowing that Wolverine and Captain America hung out. <laughs> right. Like that wasn't special. That was that was part of that was part of Wolverine for me. It's like going back to Fatal Attractions, where him actually having bone claws was a big reveal. Right. But if you read if you read it now, that is so core to the character and so core to just what people know about Wolverine hmm. that it doesn't even register. It's one of those that says, "Oh yeah, duh." You guys didn't um, know this? We all knew it. Yeah, I know. the 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 modern context kind of changes the the shock factor of these stories. Um, here's a question for you because it's been a while since I went back to this. Um, the last panel has three gloved hands uh clinking champagne glasses um i'm assuming one of them is supposed to be matsuo who are the other two supposed to be dude i am oh fenris fenris oh it's fenris okay it's fenris yeah they're in this issue uh, they're talked about i don't know if they're actually in it they don't do incesty stuff uh okay. in this issue man it's still weird that fenris is a major character on a tv show that my wife and i have finally decided maybe we'll just finish it up when it hits netflix yeah, I still haven't. I still haven't really watched season two. Um, season which, two drops off pretty hard. Uh, the uh, cuckoos are still great. Yeah, uh, Polaris is still great. But Everyone else is trying their best. Uh, not a ringing endorsement. Anyway, so um, we do have some other Jim Lee 
uh, era X-Men on here. Um, the stuff around uncanny 275, um, where they go into space is at 93. Do you think this is about that good better, worse? I like the space and the Shi'ar stuff and the Savage Land stuff, mostly because I think the Savage Land stuff is better. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. I, I think the art in that's better. It's equally iconic in the X-Men lexicon because that's where mm-hmm. we get uh, we get Savage Land Rogue, which sure is a thing that we're stuck with. <laughs> For better or worse, right? Um, exactly. Well, how do you think it compares to the story we just reviewed, uh, Ms. Marvel, six and seven, better or worse? That's at 112 now. I like it better, but I also have a predisposition to really enjoy Ms. Marvel. Okay. Um, but I, I'd be, I, I could be easily uh, convinced that it goes higher than that. I think this issue is better than everything below Ms. Marvel six and seven for sure. Um, I think just art wise, it's better than at least 111, which is the the um, Uncanny X-Men, Caliban and Jubilee issue. This has better Jubilee move, uh, moments in it. The art is better. Um, Let me throw out a ceiling. Let me throw out a ceiling here because I right, think I have one. Yeah. I don't think that this is better than Phalanx Covenant Generation Next. Oh, that's a good. OK, that would be good. I do think that this is better than Negative, Negative Zone War. Yeah, me too. I agree. All right, man. So... This list is messed up. We're gonna have to fix it someday, <laughs> or just live with the fact that we are flawed, flawed beings. All right. So this is gonna be our new one hundred and six. This is gonna be our new one hundred and six. Uncanny X Men, two sixty eight. Madripoor Knights potentially in three D. Yeah. Um. And and. For those of you who did not spend the $8 last week, save your $8 by UXM 11 that just came out uh, today as we're recording this. Um, the 3D looks great. Um, I wear glasses, so I feel like I can never really get 3D, you know, movies or, you know, um, comics with red and blue glasses. I feel like I can never quite get focused um, with them, but uh, I think the 3D looks really cool. So if you do stumble upon it later when it's not $8, you might want to pick it up. It's a, it's a cool little gimmick. See, I'm terrified because I've only read one 3D comic. Yeah. And I say red because I didn't read all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Gen X Gen 13 in 3D. It's got Ooh. Art Adams art. Yes. And Brandon Joy writing. So it ain't, like, it ain't great, though. <laughs> got three pages in and i had to take off my glasses and say oh my gosh i feel physically ill yeah i don't think this is gonna make you sick that was just my experience maybe maybe you should lay off the 3d comics (laughs) we'll see uh but you know i think we all have different perceptions on those things yeah absolutely uh just like just like uh just like our next story oh that was a great lead-in i didn't even notice you doing that (laughs) i wish you would have adam i wish you would have uh but it's fine our next story is from the same era uh it's another story by one of the image guys this is spider-man 8 through 12 perceptions written and drawn by the todd the todd the one the only oh also i i we didn't mention it chris claremont wrote that other x-men comic uh, but I just assume that every time we don't mention who wrote it, you all just fill in, oh, this was a Chris Claremont comic. Yeah. Um, anyway, the Todd wrote Spider-Man. 
Yeah, so this is the the relaunch Spider-Man. Um, Todd McFarlane definitely taking a darker tone um, with this book, trying to explore almost more horror elements um, with with the storytelling that he's doing in this book. He's doing all the writing. He's doing all the art, save for the uh, the colors and the lettering. Um, he does have a guest anchor helping him out in the later issues of this arc, which definitely shows. Um, but given the amount of you know workup that he's doing on each of the pages with his line work you can kind of understand how he would fall behind on a schedule now adam i know you were an early 90s x-men guy yeah and yeah. i know you were an image guy sure were, were you a todd guy all right here's the deal man um there were, there's the holy trinity in in this time period right and one person in that trilogy in that trinity is the rob it's the right? rob who was always style over, you know, real substance. And everybody knew that, but it was still like this very impressive style, right? Yes. Jim Lee was always the guy that like everybody wishes they could draw like, right? James Liebert, yep. He's to me like still the most amazing, um, especially at that time. Um, but, you know, the third part of that triangle is Todd McFarlane. I mean, there was nothing bigger than these three guys at that time period. Um, so Absolutely. I was a big Spidey fan at the time, too. Um, loved Amazing Spider-Man, both Todd's take on the character and especially Eric Larson's. But when he when Todd got his own Spider-Man book, like people were freaking out like this was a big, big deal. And it didn't really matter that like it had very little substance. People were picking it up to see Todd's line art. Um, which is intensely detailed, um, you know, and his take on Spider-Man is, is really strange. Uh, and I think people like it a lot. Yeah. The Todd's, the Todd's Spider-Man, I was listening to a different podcast, uh, War Rocket Ajax, which uh -huh. is one of my weekly listens, uh, the other week. And they were talking about, uh, the Todd Spider-Man and what they were saying about it is the Todd was the guy, like the first guy since Ditko. To remember that Spider-Man doesn't look like a like a regular man. He looks creepy and yeah. he doesn't have like muscle or bones. He can just be Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, I think Todd was responsible for really turning him into this like incredibly contortionist character. Um, he gave him the the spaghetti webbing, um, you know, and, and really play plays with him in, in weird ways. Um, so this storyline, I remember very vividly uh, for when I read it as a kid. Um, and this storyline revolves around uh, Peter Parker being sent to Canada um, because there's this very sensational story about child murders that's taking place. Um, about that, Bigfoot eating a boy. Exactly. And that Bigfoot is Wendigo, which then um, brings Wolverine into the story. And uh, the two of them have to team up to figure out what exactly is going on. And this is, I think, very indicative. You know, a lot of these stories are really indicative of where Todd's brain is in terms of moving and transitioning to Spawn. Yeah, because um, the I've not read a ton of Spawn. I've not read any of the Todd Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. But when I got to the reveal at the end where it's not Wendigo, it's a couple of like child molesters and murderers and cover up people. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, that sounds like a spawn plot. That uh, does not feel like Spider-Man. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and that highlights like what Todd was doing with this book that was very, very different. You wouldn't have stories like this normally with like Dave Michelin um, writing the book in, in the amazing era. Like we got the Venom stuff, which was a little bit darker, but this is this is definitely a, a, a more of a horror book almost. You know, we see uh, bodies and limbs and blood and you know, gore to a certain extent in ways that you usually would not see, um, in a Spider-Man book. Yeah. Uh, this is dark. There's, there's a part about feeding children's remains to dogs. Like, you know, in that really graphic scene from Watchmen, Uh huh. like in watch Watchmen is a crowning achievement of superhero comics. Let no one tell you otherwise. It's still very, very good. It's not what I want from Spider-Man. Well, you can see that, you know, Todd is very, very influenced by the Alan Moore style. Um, even mm -hmm. down to in Spawn, you get the talking news heads and, um, you know, uh, some of the uh, the panel layouts that, that you see uh, Dave Gibbons do in Watchmen. Um, but... I think what stands out about this particular story is that especially for the first couple of issues, he is firing on all cylinders with his artwork. Oh, um, his art, his art's great. Like I, I give him, I give him some crap and I feel like rightfully so. I feel like there's, there's very few people that you can take pot shots at in comics without mm -hmm. it being too bad. And it's the guys who like, are the quadrillionaires who have nothing <laughs> to worry about because they found an image and they were super hot at the right time. And they were literally rock stars and they had Levi's jeans commercials. <laughs> that was well, the Rob. That's fine, but keep going. No, but you know, it is, it's fascinating to me that, um, you know, that the Todd has gone on to become this, you know, sort of multimillionaire toy manufacturer. Um, you never would have expected that at this time. I mean, the art in these is fantastic. Uh, if you look at the second page of issue nine, it's this one giant panel with narration blocks on the right side of Wolverine in his brown and yellow costume, slamming this hunter's head into the ground and all of this foliage surrounding them. It is an iconic, amazing piece of artwork. His take on Wolverine changes over the course of the five issues in some very strange ways. Um, you know, the, the sort of upward blade fins of Wolverine's mask go from perky to droopy. And <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Um, but it is, I don't know. It's so indicative of what Todd was capable of at the time. Um, the story has some weak links in it, I think. Yes. Um, you know, Wendigo is innocent in this story, um, but that doesn't make sense. Correct? Yeah, hold, yeah, yeah. There's a part where Wolverine says, Wendigo's never eaten anyone yet. And I'm sorry, the Todd. There's one rule about Wendigo's. And it is, it's a rule with a caveat. So it's when you consume human flesh. In Canada. In Canada, <laughs> you become a Wendigo. So no matter if he didn't eat these boys, Wendigo ate a boy. Or ate something. I mean, yes. Un Uncle Larry he, something. There's, 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 he's had, he's had long pig. 
He's had some man jerky. Uh, this Wendigo has consumed human flesh because that's the only way Wendigos work. Now, intentional or not, and I have to imagine it was intentional because the only reason why people unintentionally consume human flesh in Canada is because other people are trying to trick them into becoming Wendigos, uh, which has happened several times. Yes. Uh, but that part doesn't make sense. Also, I don't understand why Todd needs to have Wendigo not be the villain. It's a weird choice because it's all about protecting Wendigo and doing all this stuff so that all these people who are hunting the forest don't kill Wendigo. And I don't, like, I get Wolverine caring about uh, innocent animal life because that's a consistent trait in pretty much his entire uh, existence. Mm -hmm. I don't get him caring about Wendigo life because that's also not, that's exactly the opposite of his traits since, since you know, first appearance is, well, well I'm going to get me a Wendigo. All right. I think I know the answer to this. Um, first of all, I think the interactions between Wolverine and Wendigo here are fantastic. <laughs> you know, Wolverine performs surgery to get a bullet out of the Wendigo. The Wendigo is like kind of adorable at the same time that he's scary. Um, See, I, he can't, has... I can't imagine Wolverine caring that much about a individual Wendigo. But yes, go on, Adam. Oh, OK. I mean, at this time, did we know there was possibly more than one Wendigo? I no, think this, I think I, we only knew about the one and Wolverine exactly. hates that dude. Right. And so there is sort of like something delightful about the two of them becoming buddies in this story, which is very strange. Um, but to, to, to respond to your question, um, there is a very early issue of Spawn that has a, a similar tone to this, and it involves um, a serial killer who is an ice cream man. and you know, keeps the bodies of his dead in the ice cream truck. And I feel like we're seeing Todd like gravitate towards these type of horror stories where a figure of trust and authority within a neighborhood is also a killer is also reprehensible is also the monster that's, you know, it, it's a, it's almost, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm trying to think of who to compare it to. Um, it's not really David Lynch, but you know, this idea I think is something that is captivating to him. So for him to tell this story, which is basically just about, you know, a cop being responsible for the death of these children. Um, he also has, you know, to work in the Wendigo angle. So I think it's less about the Wendigo as it is. He wants to get to the punchline that it's not the Wendigo, it's the cop. And yeah. so he'll, he'll go through the hoops to get there. I, I hear ya, I feel ya, I just don't, like, the Marvel Universe works one way, and <laughs> that can be contradicted, I get it, that's fine, but this is a weird way to contradict it, is all. Sure, absolutely. Also, um, do you know, do you know the name of the Wendigo that is in this issue? Because there's I, been I, several Wendigos. I don't, what's the name of this Wendigo? You know the name of him? I'm looking it up. Okay, this Wendigo actually does not have a name. This is, is not. This is just a random Wendigo from British Columbia. Uh, <laughs> it is not George Baptiste or Francois Frank Lartigue. 
Uh, so those are all the Wendigos I knew, and this is none of them. This is okay. a Wendigo that's only appeared here. So I'm sorry that, Todd, I don't buy it. <laughs> um, I think that's okay. I think that's okay. I do still think that if you want to get a uh, a picture of this time, um, check this arc out. It, it's, oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, has some amazing artwork. And uh, just his depiction of Wolverine is, is very different and strange. So um, that's worth checking out, too. It is. Hey, before we rank this, can I tell you my favorite anecdote about the Todd? Oh, yeah, please. So a uh, reporter, Abraham Reisman, he uh, does some stuff for Vulture and stuff. Yeah, He's I actually written it. a lot of good stuff. Hey, can we can we just shout out to Abe? Abe, if you listen to this, I don't think you do. But if you do, I would doubt it. You're amazing. I mean, Abe has had the gall to like knock on Steve Ditko's door and see what happens. You know what I mean? Like he he's comics journalism at its best, I feel like. Yeah, he's written some good stuff, including a retrospective about image mm -hmm. for their I think it was for their 25th, maybe their 30th anniversary. Who who even cares? It would have been 25th. So he was writing about that and uh, he was trying to get in contact with Todd because the Todd's like he was the image founder. Yeah. And he's, he's, the, he's the only he's the only one who never went back. Mm -hmm. Like Rob is currently doing stuff for Marvel. Jim Lee is obviously a big wig at DC now. Oh, Larson's the still there. Larson's the only one still doing his book from day one. So Larson is him. still doing Savage Dragon for he better is. or probably worse. He you is. know, Savage Dragon turned into a porn comic, right? I, I still have to. I can't wrap my brain around that. So let's just move on. <laughs> Look, dude's got the money to do what he wants to do. More power to it. There you go. Uh, anyway, uh, so he get he gets a hold of Image and he gets a hold of the Todd's assistant. And he says, well, you know, I'd love to talk to the Todd. I assume he did not use the definite article there. Uh, and he says, you know, let's let's do lunch on this day, at this place. And his assistant says, oh, Todd doesn't eat. Mm -hmm. And there was a beat. <laughs> and she said, Todd believes in total body control. Right. Uh, so he can go days without eating. Well, that factors into the classic story of him negotiating contracts by. Have you heard this? That he will. We may have talked about this on the podcast Did already. We? All right. If we have, I don't know. I, apologize. I, don't know. I don't know why we would have talked about the Todd before. No, but you've I don't know if you've heard this story and listeners, if you have and we've talked about it before, I apologize. But this story still sticks with me, how he will. Um, sit across the desk from the people that are potential investors and make them drink like glass after glass of water as he holds out on, on the deal until he gets the deal he wants by refusing to let them go to the bathroom. And meanwhile, he does not drink any of the water, so he doesn't have to go anywhere. Uh, I mean, there's definitely something interesting about him. Um, so. There's no way we haven't <laughs> talked about this before. I just I'm looking down the list trying to figure out what would have made us talk about the Todd like this. I have no idea. I have no idea because like anyway, wow. he's he's nuts. He did very good art in this. His story leaves something to be desired. OK, so where does it go on the list? I need you. I need you to start this one. OK, I like this story. Um, I know you do. I 
think an interesting comparison might be Wolverine cocaine at 125. Um, another interesting take on the Wolverine character by uh, uh, Mr. Not a great person, John Byrne. Um, I wouldn't say that about the Todd. Um, I don't know the Todd well enough. The Todd might <laughs> suck, but he's at least very interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get the idea that he's like a terrible human being. Um, I have you no, just never know. I have so, no no moral compass on the Todd. I just look, guys. If you haven't picked it up by the four hundredth time of saying I've said this, I like saying the Todd. This might be your number one saying the Todd podcast. Who knows? <laughs> Todd McFarlane. I know you didn't do any X-Men stuff. Get over yeah. here. We'll find something to talk about. That's not true. He had the X-Force crossover. So he's Ooh, definitely done some. <laughs> let's talk about literally anything else. Because <laughs> the sideways uh... crossover. Okay. At one at 121, uh, we have Brood Trouble in the Big Easy, which is another 90s crossover. Um I know you like that better than this. I I can just guess that. Um, yeah, you're right. I do, you... do think this is better than cocaine, though. Like All cocaine's right. so, long. So we have a window here, folks. Um, at 122, we have Glob Loves Man Kills. I can't imagine you're going to put this above a Glob story. I know this is better than 123 X Men Origins Jean Grey number one. Perfect. So this is our new 123. We're going to squeeze it in right there. Like, if I can get away with just not arguing it, yes. <laughs> okay, let's do that. Because this episode has gone long, I feel like. I don't have a clock in front of me. You uh, know what? We got stuff to say. There we do is have stuff, stuff going say. on here with this stuff. So these have been some good Wolvie team-ups. These have been some good Wolvie team-ups. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad Wolverine gets around a lot. <laughs> he, gets to, he gets to explore all the nooks and crannies of the Marvel Universe that... Mere plebeians like you and I never get to. Nope. Never going to go fight sewer gators. It's just not going to happen. Man, I know I can access the sewer, but you're you're closer to the city that might have sewer gators. Uh, <laughs> they don't have gators in Ohio in general. Oh, you, uh, maybe you need to buy one and just release it. You know? I'm, I'm not going to be <laughs> the gator releaser. No, you're more of a gator breeder, Zach. You're more of a, you know, a catalyst to do the infestation. Oh my gosh, I do need to look at my city ordinances to see if gators are a specific protected or exotic animal. I wonder if my city planner thought that far ahead. We do have a lot of heroin addicts, so I oh imagine my. that they... Oh, we're on the I-75 corridor. <laughs> look, there's just some stuff that comes with that. That's fine. We're... Old industrial town that lost some industry. It happens to everyone. Sure. Uh, but I'm curious about my local gator ordinances. I do know that my town, uh, when you apply for the dog license, because I just renewed mine, uh, it also has a provision for uh, licensing your chicken, um, which I didn't even know that was an option for me. So I, I feel like I should explore that now. We are not, I, I can tell you for a fact, we are not allowed to have chickens within city limits huh. uh, because we are a agrarian uh, area. <laughs> so so people would take advantage. Yes, people would take <laughs> advantage of that. And also, my dad had chickens at one point uh, out in the country because he followed ordinances. I don't want chickens anywhere near my home. No, They're the me worst. They I, fight I'm, each I'm other. I'm just more curious. 
I think maybe a pygmy goat might be a better farm option for for the homestead. Um, he did anyway. have fainting goats. They were fun to yell at. <laughs> you know about fainting goats, right? They're goats that you yell at them and they fall over. They just jump. Yeah, they just slump over. It's great. <laughs> it's sadistic now that I think about it. But when I was like 16, I thought it was the funniest thing. I'm pretty sure the goats are fine. All right. Well, that's fair. I probably don't have to license them. I, I should go to the planning uh, the town committee just to see if that's okay first. Hey, Ben, thank you for this episode. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for supporting us on patreon.com slash Xavier Files. That's where uh, you can meet just like Ben and bid at whatever. Uh, I guess bid's the wrong word. There's no auction, but donate at whatever level you feel like the spirit or the Todd moves you. Uh at our any level, you can get access to things like the uh, monthly live stream Q&A next month, which is February, which is this month. I'll actually tell you guys more than 30 minutes beforehand when I'm going to do the <laughs> Q&A uh, because I was just live streaming so that I don't have to upload a video separately. Uh, so it all worked out uh, and it was great. It was a fun time. You also get access to some other stuff. It's cool. We got a lot of episodes in the in the queue, so maybe get yours in and we can talk about whatever you want. We're very open to stuff. Uh, Adam, where can people find you online? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, you can see uh, Bishon Jube's Tack on the Mansion is wrapping up soon. Um, before we get to the the concluding issue number five, that's at adamrec.tumblr.com. And uh, if you want art in your inbox every day, go to patreon.com slash adamrec and jump on board for as little as a dollar a month. All right. That was three awesome Wolverine team-up stories. It was. And if you want more Wolverine team-ups as I go through Wolverine, you can follow me on Twitter at Xavier Files or go to XavierFiles.com. That's where I have all the latest in X-Men news and other media and things like that. Uh, but yes, I agree, Adam. This was a good episode. I didn't kick it back to you. I I, I feel bad now. I feel like I we feel keep like... Me- we keep messing up the end of this show, and it's my fault. I I'm and it's the part we have on autopilot the most. Like I, know. I I I heard you like just click into this is the words that I say mode. <laughs> anyway, what do we got next uh, week? Next week, uh, we have episode eighty one. Now. If you're counting right now, you may think, wait, this episode was episode 80 and last week was episode 80. That's because Zach miscounted. And I'm very sorry about that. Uh, But we're just going to have to deal with the fact that this is episode 80 part two, the lost episode 75 and move on to uh, episode 81. Just like normal. Uh, Maybe I should take episode numbers off this thing because who cares? Eh. We're talking about Magneto, though. And in fact, we're talking about uh, we're talking about times that Magneto was kind of fascist and took over uh, took over metropolitan areas or countries. Oh snap! Maybe he wasn't always the best. Who knows? <laughs> but I think this was a great episode. I think this was a great old fashioned that I made. It was my first old fashioned at home. It was delightful. Hey, where's my old fashioned? You're it's in New Jersey. It's really far away. <laughs> the, the ice would melt. I gotta get me one of them. Yeah, it's like three ingredients, four ingredients. <laughs> it's very easy to make. I may it's even have them. It's whiskey and bitters and like an orange peel and then simple syrup or if you want to be good, a sugar cube that you muddle up. They're great. Uh, but <laughs> this is explaining a lot about this episode, isn't it? 
<laughs> yes. Anyway, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience.